have a set of keys in your pocket or in your purse. You probably have it hooked up in your keychain or key ring. And it's not unusual to be carrying a, a, a number of keys. But each one of those keys are uniquely cut for a specific purpose. And, and even though you may have several keys, perhaps maybe one of them is to your house and another one is probably to your car, uh, maybe to your workplace and so on and so forth. But each of those keys that you carry has a very uniquely specific cut or designed for a specific look or specific lock, I should say, for the purpose of fulfilling a purpose or uh, fulfilling a, a need. It is used to gain access. Now, some of you may have keys that may be similar to each other. They may look like each other. They may be the same shape, same size, but they don't lock the same door. That's because each one of them has been cut and designed from a different master key. Amen? Amen. Now, in this context, God is the master key. And he unlocks everything. But he has uniquely created every believer in this room and in the body of Christ for a specific place in which he wants us to make a difference in the lives of others. Very important that you get that. Just like the key that has been specifically cut for a specific place, for a specific location, God has uniquely cut us or designed us for a specific purpose. And it's important that we understand why. Tonight, I want to talk to you about how to live a profitable life. Now, what does that mean to be profitable? Now, I'm not going to hit, sit here, I'll stand here talking to you about money or financial security or, you know, financial investment. I mean, all that is good. But what I have to share with you tonight has more to do with life rather than money. So what does that mean to live a profitable life? Go with me to Matthew chapter 5 in your Bible. Now, before I get into this, I, let me just give you some definitions. The word profitable in biblical terms means to be useful, to be helpful or beneficial. Now, the word unprofitable, which is used twice in the New Testament, in biblical terms, it means to be useless or good for nothing. So I want to take a look and see what does it mean to live an unprofitable life and then what it means to live a profitable life. Let's begin with the unprofitable life. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. Notice what Jesus said here. He didn't say you might be the salt of the earth. He says you are the salt of the earth. The moment you and I become born-again believers, we became automatically salt of the earth. Amen. And look at what else he says about the salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but the, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot 
by men. Now remember, as I mentioned to you, the biblical term for unprofitable means to be useless or good for nothing. Notice what Jesus says about the salt losing its flavor. He said it is what? Good for nothing. So basically what Jesus is saying to us this tonight is this. If we lose our testimony, if we lose our witness, and our lives are no different than the unbelieving world, then we lost our saltiness. And how many of you know that salt enhances the flavor of food? Right? Bland salt and tasteless salt is useless, but good salt seasons everything it touches. Amen. So to enhance something means to further improve the quality or value of something or someone. So if we are to be the salt of the earth, then we are to be seasoned or season someone else's life by improving their value or their life or to make a difference in their lives. To enhance means to strengthen or to build up. It means to further improve the quality or value of something or someone. If we are the salt of the earth, that's what we're to do. We are to enhance other people's lives. We are to make a difference in their lives. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But if we've lost our flavor, if we've lost our testimony, if we've lost our influence, if we've lost our witness, then we become unprofitable, Amen. useless, or in the words of Jesus, good for nothing. Go to John's Gospel, the 15th chapter. John chapter 15, and beginning in verse 1, says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Listen to what he says in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So in order to, well, let me just say this. To bear fruit or to not to bear fruit is to be unproductive. To be unproductive means to be unprofitable. And to be unprofitable means that you are not an asset to the kingdom, but rather you become a liability. What does it mean to be a liability? Well, it means to be a weak link. It means to be at a disadvantage. It means that you are a hindrance to those that are around you. Rather than being a positive influence, a godly influence, and an asset, you become more of a hindrance. You become a weak link. So we become, in the words of Jesus, good for nothing. Now, I want to give you some examples uh, of a couple of individuals in the Bible who were unprofitable in their lives. Go to Philemon chapter 1. And we're going to look at Demas. Now, Demas was once profitable and serviceable person. He was considered a companion of Paul. And in Philemon chapter 1, Paul writes and sends greetings to Philemon. In verse 23 of Philemon 1, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you 
as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So we find that Demas was not only a companion of the Apostle Paul, but he was also a fellow laborer, a fellow worker together in the ministry the Apostle Paul was involved with. But now look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen to what it says. Paul in his letter to Timothy says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Christians for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. So Demas, who was once considered a profitable servant, a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul, in some point of his life became unprofitable simply because he fell in love with the world. Now, Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, and that's not on my reference. He says this, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Demas felt that the world had more to offer than becoming profitable for the kingdom of God. Let me give you another example. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And here we read the sons of Eli. Hophni and Phinehas. Both of these men were the sons of Eli. Eli was a high priest in the, king, or in the temple of God. And the, his, their sons or his sons were also servants as priests in the, in the temple. They had a tremendous privileged ministry. But the Bible says that they were wicked. Because rather than serving God and being profitable... Not only to God in the temple, but to the people, they were profiting themselves. They were described as not only wicked, but also scandalous because of greed and because of lust. They would serve in the ministry profiting themselves. And they would take advantage of the young women in their lust. And so Eli, and, and here's the thing. When you do something like that, people are going to take notice. People are going to recognize that. And Eli, having heard this, took his sons aside, spoke to them, and said, you can't be doing this anymore. The people already are talking. People know what's going on. And people are getting agitated. You've got to stop. But the Bible says that Phineas and Hophni continued in their wicked ways. Look at what 1 Samuel 2 and verse 12 says. Now, the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Now, it's interesting that the word Belial in the Hebrew means to without profit or worthless. These two men had a privilege of ministering to God in the temple. And rather than being profitable for God and for the people of God. They became unprofitable because they were profiting, profiting themselves. Now, those are just a couple of examples. I mean, there are so many examples in the Bible, but we just don't have the time to go into it. But I just want to give you a highlight. Now, go to Matthew chapter 5, and let's look at what it means to be profitable. What does it mean to live a profitable life? In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, Jesus says these words. You are the light of the world. Notice he didn't say, you may be the light of the world. He says, you are 
the light of the world. Just as you are the salt of the earth. The moment we become born again believers, we take on that responsibility as being the salt of the earth to influence others around us and to be in a light also into the world. And he goes on to say this, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and look at what it says, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And so we're commanded in verse 16 to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So if we're called to be a light of the world, to be a city that is upon the hill that cannot be hidden, why are so many Christians trying to hide? Why are they trying to serve from behind the scenes, from behind the closet? We are called to be a light so that the world may see our good works. By that I mean by our conduct, our behavior, our lifestyle, our attitude, our walk and our talk. How else are they going to know that God exists unless they see it in us? But when we're walking in the light and shine our lights to the world, we are living a profitable life. You know why? Because we're affecting others. So if you want to be profitable, be who God says you are. Be the light. Be the salt. Be the key that God had uniquely cut and designed to make a difference in someone's life. Go to Philemon chapter 1. Let's go back there again. Look at an example of Onesimus. In Philemon chapter 1, in verse 10, Onesimus was a slave. And the history says that he was a slave to Philemon. And he had robbed him and then ran away and fled to Rome, where there he met the apostle Paul while he was in prison and was converted to Christianity. And listen to Paul's letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. In verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, my son, for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begun while in my chains. In other words, who I led to the Lord while in chains. And let me stop there. The apostle Paul, the Bible says, was in chains or in prison. Now, he wasn't in an actual prison, but he had his own living quarters. But he was under guard. But he was allowed to have people come in and out. But here's what I want you to see. Even though he may have been limited to preaching the gospel, yet he still remained profitable no matter what his circumstances was. As a matter of fact, he was so beneficial, so useful, and made a difference in people's lives that he led Onesimus to the Lord while in chains. So you can't use that excuse or your circumstances, whatever it may be, and say, I cannot live a profitable life for the Lord because look at my circumstances. Your circumstances has nothing to do with who you are in Christ. You can still make a difference. You can still live profitably. Just as the Apostle Paul did. Now, I, that just blesses me when I see that. Because you see, the Apostle Paul was focused. He knew nothing kept him from preaching the gospel. Nothing kept, listen, he preached the gospel even by correspondence. And he still was able to minister to people. And how he met up with Onesimus 
I don't know. But somehow they made contact and the Apostle Paul made a difference in his life. The Apostle Paul lived a profitable life. But let's continue. He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have forgotten with it while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you because he had robbed Philemon and then ran away, became a runaway slave to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Man, what a testimony. For someone to say, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so is profitable to me. He or she has made a difference in my life. How many of you have ever had people come to you and tell you that? Or I've heard someone say that about you, how you made a difference in their lives. Well, that's a blessing when you can hear people say that. Because it means that you've been profitable for them. Let's continue. In verse 12, he says, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Onesimus not only was, was changed through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul developed such a relationship with Onesimus that he didn't want to leave him, let him go. Because Onesimus was now profitable and making a difference in Paul's life. To the point where Paul did not want to let him go. But because he was a slave belonging to Philemon, he knew he had to let him go. But I want you to see how profitable Onesimus became where before he was once unprofitable because of a decision that he made. Listen to me. To live a profitable life, and Pastor John touched it today, you need the Holy Ghost to help you. You can't do this on your own. Now, there is something that is required of us. Onesimus made a decision on his own. He decided he was going to run away. He had enough of the slavery. He robbed Philemon and he took off. But then he went to Rome, met the Apostle Paul, and God changed his life. And now he became profitable. But he only became profitable after he received the Lord Jesus. And the Spirit of God came and lived inside of him and began to uh, to change his life and made him a changed man. But if you're going to live a profitable life, you need the help of the Holy Ghost to lead and guide you. Because he's the only one who knows how to do that. All he expects of us is simply obey. But I want you to see how Onesimus, who was once unprofitable, now later became profitable. Not only to the Apostle Paul, but also for the kingdom of God. Now, let's, and it's interesting, too, that the word Onesimus in the Greek means profitable or useful. Go to Acts chapter 15. Let's look at another example. You know, when we're asked to share a word up here, you know, we have our notes and everything else and we know what we want to say. But sometimes there's just not enough time to get it all out. So there's a tendency to want to rush it through to get every point. But I really sense the Holy Spirit saying, just take your time and I'll say what I need to say. So I'm just going to do just that tonight. Acts chapter 15. We see another example where Paul wanted to go back with Barnabas and to visit the brethren of every city that he preached the word. And he wanted just to check in on them and see how they were doing. 
Now in verse 37, Barnabas, the Bible says that Barnabas was determined to take John, whose surname is Mark. Now, that left a very bad taste in Paul's mouth because Mark, well, let's look into the word of God. Let's look at verse 38. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. That person that Paul was talking about was Mark. Because at some point they came to Pamphylia and he abandoned them and also abandoned the work. That left a bad taste in Paul's mouth because it showed that Mark was not only unreliable but uncommitted. And so now his Barnabas said, hey, let's bring Mark as well. Well, you know what? I don't know if I want to trust someone who, who's not committed. And so, of course, that caused a, a, a divide between Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas took Mark and went their way. Paul took Silas and went their way. But look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Mark was unprofitable because he abandoned the apostle Paul in the middle of a ministry and showed himself to be uncommitted and unreliable and not trustworthy. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy requesting that he be diligent to come to him quickly in verse 9. Because again, keep in mind that Paul was in prison. And verse 10 says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Christians for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, and listen to what he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful, the King James Version says, profitable for the ministry. So somewhere along the line, from being unprofitable to becoming profitable to the Apostle Paul, Remember, the Apostle Paul did not trust him. But now all of a sudden, now he wanted him to come. I don't know where you are tonight. And let me ask you this question. And you don't have to answer this, but you answered it within yourself, between you and God. But are you living a profitable life? Can you say that you're living a profitable life? Can you say that you're making a difference in someone's life? Or could you say, honestly, that you're not living a profitable life, but your life is unprofitable? And I want to leave that to you to answer that. But here's what I want to say. That if you are living an unprofitable life, it's not too late. Because just as we saw Mark and Onesimus, who were once unprofitable, but then later on in life, made a decision to become profitable. You see, because all it requires is simply a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life in a manner that is profitable, not only to God, but to those around me. Go to Matthew chapter 25. So, we understand what it means to be or to live a life that is profitable and what it means to live a life that is unprofitable. But I also want you to know that we have been equipped to live a life that is profitable. We've been equipped. We have what it takes. In Matthew 25, we read the story of the ten talents. Beginning in verse 14, it says this. 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling for a, uh, to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave one, uh, two talents, and to another he gave one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on, on a journey. Now, there are two things I want to show you here. This man, this master, called his servants and gave each one of them something that he entrusted him. The, the word talents is used, which is money. And to one he gave five. To the second servant he gave two. To the third servant he gave one. Each one that he had given these talents to was according to their ability. So in other words, the, the master did not give the, four, the five talents to the third servant who was given one talent because he only had the ability to manage one talent. In the same way with the second servant who had two talents. He couldn't handle the five talents that the first servant received because it was just not within his ability. And even the, the, serve, the first servant who had the five talents was not given one talent because it was too little for him to handle because he can handle more. This parable is more about what, God, what, what we've done with what God has given us. And whatever God has given you, he's given you the ability to carry it out. God's not going to give you something that is beyond your ability. And so he gave these servants each certain amount of talents according to their ability. And what we want to do is this. We want to make sure that whatever God has given us, we're making good use. We're being profitable. Because, and of course, you know the story. When the ruler came back, the master came back, he called all three of the servants to see how they did with the talents that were given them. And the story goes where the first servant who had five used his ability to increase the talents that was given to him to ten. The second servant used his ability to increase the two talents that was given him with four. However, the third servant came back with the same amount of talents that was given him in the first place. And it wasn't because he didn't know how to increase those talents. Because the Bible says each was given according to their ability. But the problem was he neglected to do anything that God had given to him. And we have to ask ourselves, are we doing something with what God has given to us? Because whatever it is that God has given to you, and when I say talents, we can talk, we can say gifts, we can say uh, talents, abilities. We can also talk about your area of influence, your education. Uh, we can talk about your resources, whatever it may be. Are you doing something with it? And again, I, I, I get this temptation to get ahead of myself, but I'm trying to hold all the horses here. Because every one of us wants to take what God has given us and become profitable with it. So when we stand before God, we want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. So the lazy guy, the, the, the third servant, did nothing 
with the talent that was given to him. And he was called a wicked and lazy servant because he neglected to use his ability to do with what God had or given him and did something with it. He did not do anything. How many believers are sitting and not doing anything with what God has given you? How can you be profitable if you don't put yourself in a position to be used of God and allow God to stir up that gift in you so that you can be profitable for others? God has equipped us in a unique way in order to carry out his will. Go to with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Very familiar passage of scripture. Each one of us are are uniquely designed and crafted to live a life that is profitable. So we have no excuses. We have the ability to carry out God's will, to use the gifting that he's given to us to be a blessing to others. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says that we are his workmanship, God's workmanship. He, not we, has made us who we are by his grace. And he says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Like the set of keys that have been cut uniquely and crafted uniquely and designed uniquely for a specific purpose. After the master key, we also were crafted after Christ who is the master key. When the Bible said that we were created in Christ Jesus, we were designed after the image of Christ. So we can understand when Jesus says in John 14, 12, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. It's because we've been cut and molded after the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what he did, to carry out the work that he started, And to do it as efficiently and as powerfully as the Lord Jesus did. Go to Romans chapter 12. Beginning in verse 4 says this. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ. And individually members of one another. Now this is what I want you to see in verse 6. Having then gifts differing or having many different gifts, according to the grace that is given to us, what does it tell us to do? Let us use them. He goes on to say, if it's prophecy, then prophesy in the proportion of your faith. If you've been given the gift of ministry or serving, then then do it. If you've been given the gift to teach, then teach. If you've been given the gift to encourage or to exhort, then encourage. If you've been given the gift to be generous, then do it freely and liberally. If you've been given the gift to heal. If you've been given the gift in your hands to build. If you've been given a mind for numbers. If you've been given the ability to organize. If you've been given the ability to, to the gift to lead. Then use those gifts. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Use them. Why are you sitting on it? Why is it still within you? Why are you not using it? If it's given to you to do something with it, 
Not to benefit yourself, but to benefit others. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have been equipped for the purpose of profiting others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, says this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it is the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who was all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Listen to me. Some of you have been born with natural gifts. Others have spent long, uh, long years training and being educated for your gift. Some of you have been spiritually imparted with the gifts. But however those gifts have come, by way of birth, by educational training, or by spiritual impartation, those gifts are given to profit all. So, even in your workplace, you're to be profitable there. As a matter of fact, when you go to work, don't look at it as a job. Look at it as a missions field. Look at it as an opportunity to be profitable. Now, let me just go back. I, I need to share this. But a couple of weeks ago, this couple came into my office because they wanted to share their heart about where they felt the Lord was leading them as far as ministry is concerned. And this is the reason for my sharing this because it was an inspiration for me. And as they were sharing and, and sharing their heart, they were simply looking for some direction and some spiritual advice. And this statement was brought out by one of the individuals and it was so profound. Because this person says, I just want to be profitable for the Lord. And you know what? That stuck with me like a platter of ribs on a Sunday afternoon at my mom's house. That just did not leave me. But it was doing something inside of me. It stirred something in me. Because it caused me to look at myself and say, Lord, am I living profitably for you? You know, sometimes we can go on in life and just taking life for granted. And thinking we're just doing what we're, what we're doing and thinking we're doing it, you know, we're doing a good job. And sometimes we need to step back and say, well, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? And am I being profitable by doing this? I don't want to be like the rich young ruler who thought that all he needed to do was to observe the commandments from his youth. When Jesus looked at him and says, but you lack one thing. And after that point, he thought he was profitable until he said, until Jesus said, you lack one thing. But then Jesus gave him an opportunity to change it. He gave him an opportunity to become profitable. He says, sell all that you have. Give to the poor. And you shall have riches in heaven. Come and follow me. And the Bible goes on to say that the rich young ruler walked away sadly. He became unprofitable. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. Listen to me. There's going to be a time when Christ comes 
And the Bible says that all believers are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the day that we're all going to be judged according to our works. Now, the worst thing that can happen is that you don't get rewards. But you will gain interest into the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I think I would be devastated. I think that I would be embarrassed. I think that I would feel bad if I walked into heaven with no rewards. If I stood before the, the, the judgment seat of Christ and God be, and Christ begins to show me all the opportunities that I've missed to use my gift. One opportunity after another. I think that would be devastating for me to see the, 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 the opportunities that I had to be used of God. To be profitable for somebody. To, be, to make a difference in someone's life. And listen, you don't have to be the most talented person or the most gifted person. But if you have time, you can also be a prophet to someone else. Your time, your money, your resources, an encouraging word. Sometimes it doesn't take much. But are you willing to decide and be purposeful in living a life that is profitable? Not only to God and to his glory, but also to those around you. To live a profitable life means not only to be profitable for the Lord and his glory, but to be profitable, beneficial, useful, helpful with your giftings, with your abilities, with your talents, with your, with your opportunities, with your area of influence in the home, in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community, and even in the church. You know that in your home, there's something that God has given you that your family needs. There's something in you that God has given you that your neighborhood needs. There's something in you that God has given you that your community needs. There's something in you that God has placed and deposited in you that your workplace needs. Those of you who are educated, who have been trained, are you being profitable for others? Yeah, you probably are teaching in a classroom. But, and I'm sure that you're being profitable in the classroom, but are you taking that same gifting, that same education, that same training to be profitable to others outside of the, the education area? Those of you who are skilled with your hands, you're not just using it to build and to, and to fix on a job. And I'm sure you're being profitable on your job. But are you using those same skills to help your brother who's in need? Those of you who have time in your hands, are you using the time that God has given you to be a prophet to someone who needs your time? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? 
Whatever it is that God has given you, whether it's opportunity, whether it's time, whether it's finance or whatever it is, are you being, are you using that to be profitable for someone who needs those giftings? First Timothy four and verse fourteen. It's not in your in, in my uh, references, but it says this. Paul writes to Timothy, encouraging him. He says, "Do not neglect the gift that is in you." That same encouragement is for us as well. Do not neglect the gift. Whatever it is that God has deposited in you, do not neglect it. Don't take it lightly. Don't be careless with it, but use it for the kingdom and glory of God and for the sake of others. Now, in Isaiah 48, if you go there, if you really want to learn how to live profitably, it begins with God. And Isaiah 48 in verse 17 says this. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Who leads you by the way you should go. You know, we need to develop a habit of asking God every morning. He says, Lord, whatever gift you've given me, show me how to be profitable with it. Show me how to use it to make a difference in someone else's life. Yeah. You know what that means? It's a call for us to be constantly aware and alert of our surroundings. And reminding ourselves who we are and why we are. And also have a missions mentality. So that wherever we're at, whether in the workplace, at home, or on a family gatherings, Whatever. We have a field that we can be profitable. We have a group of people that we can use our giftings to make a difference in their lives. And I like the idea of using wherever you are as a missions field and believing that what God has put inside of you is going to be beneficial to those people that you're in the circle of area that you're at. You know, but it's, it's something that we just have to renew our minds and our thinking. So we don't go to work and punch a clock like we do on a regular basis, day and night. And, and you know, like, you know, like the Dunkin' Donuts commercial time to make the donuts. You know, you remember that? We need to get out of that and begin to go to work with a purpose in mind. It says, I'm going to make a difference to somebody here. This is my missions field. And I've been gifted according to the ability that God has given me to carry out whatever it is I need to carry out so I can be profitable in the lives of people that are around me. I want to be a light. I want to be a salt in this place. Let me close with this. As I said before, Christ is coming back. How many of you know that? (laughs) But when he comes, 
In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12, you put that up on the screen for me. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. Jesus' word says, And behold, I am coming quickly. And this is what I love. And my rewards is with me to give to everyone according to his work. You know, I picture him with a bag full of gifts coming so that he can, with, with, with joy and with anticipation of handing out the gifts for everything we've done. Going back to the parable of the ten talents, the, the ruler, the, the master was so happy and so gratified because of the two servants that came back twice as much talent that he was given, that was given to them. To the point where he says, he was just so blessed. He said, you good and faithful servant. Imagine Christ coming back and saying the same thing. Handing out our rewards because we decided to live a life that is profitable. We're not living a life unto ourselves. We're living a life unto God for the sake of everyone else. And listen, let me just be bold and ask you this question. If you are not profiting me, then you're not being profitable. In the same way that if I'm not profiting you, I'm not being profitable. So we need to be purposeful so that we live our lives with a mission. That's a word, that's a good word. Wake up in the morning with a mission. So today, I'm going into the missions field. I'm going to make a difference in somebody's life. Lord, help me to use my gift. Lord, show me where to use my gift. Lord, show me who to use my gift on. And God will give you opportunities. God will give you opportunities. But we have to be alert and not allow the opportunities to pass by because then we're going to have to see it and it's going to be played over at the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to say, oh, my goodness, I remember that day. I had a chance to do it, but I was tired and I didn't feel like going anywhere. It's like, and I had an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. Listen, I don't want to live with regrets. And especially standing in the, in the judgment before the judgment seat of Christ, especially on that day, I don't want to have any, any regrets at all. Jesus says in Matthew 16 and verse 27, you can put that up there. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he then will reward each according to his works. Listen, I think what we need to do when we go home tonight is have a talk with the Lord. And say, Lord, I've not been unprofitable for you. I've not lived my life that's going to profit others. And Lord, I ask that you show me Help me. I repent of my unprofitability. And Lord, from now on, I want to live a life that is profitable to you and for your glory. That's going to be profitable to others. That's going to make a difference with those around me. And whether they receive my gift or not, I'm going to make it available. I'm going to let them know that this is who I am and this is what I want to do. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Even though he was in a very difficult circumstances... 
in prison and in chains, yet he was still profitable and able to lead Onesimus to the Lord. And how many more people has he touched, even while in prison? So don't, don't worry about the circumstances. You can still be profitable right where you are. Right where you work, right where you live. But you've got to be determined to make up your mind and say, today, I'm living to be profitable. And from now on, my life will be profitable. My life will be helpful. My life will be useful. My life will be beneficial to those around me. Amen. Amen. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for showing us, Father God, that we can be profitable no matter where we live, no matter where we're at. Thank you, Father God, for stirring up the gift inside of us so that we can use them because these are the gifts that you've given to us for that purpose. Father, help me, Lord God, to be profitable in someone's life. Father, help me, Father God, to be profitable wherever I am. Father, thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for showing me, Lord God, the opportunities. And Lord, please do not allow me to miss an opportunity to be a blessing to make a difference and to be profitable in someone's life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, if you'll do this for me, Father God, I ask this in your precious son's name, that today, starting today, my life will change and begin to live a life that is profitable for your kingdom and for your glory and profitable for those that are around me. And Lord, for this, I thank you in your precious son's name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah.